Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast where we're numb and broken, yet here we sit alone. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've had a lot of stories, you know, going on the last week. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know who we are, we're here to talk about all sorts of craziness in the world of metal. Hopefully, tell you some jokes. Uh, if that ain't work, then I'm sure we're going to like about uh, what else will you provide fans, Danny, I guess? Actually, there's Simpson references galore. And in fact, one of the Simpsons, what, Art Imitates Life or Life Imitates Art will be coming up. So that's a story to. It's not even our fault. This is literally going to happen. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, things happen in the news community. Uh, there's some good, but mostly bad. And for the Super Metal Brothers, that works out really well. Gives us a show, I guess, Danny. Oh, definitely right, man. I mean, it's always good when other people make fools themselves or bring light to their own lives. Cause or, or else we have to make fools of ourselves. I don't know how much we can stretch this out for. We've done it basically a year so far. Oh, so. Actually, our year show is coming up soon, so there might be something special. Who knows? Yeah, guys, uh, if you guys want us to do something special for the uh, one-year anniversary, maybe we do like a CD review that you guys really wanted or uh, cover a certain news story or a certain editorial, head over to facebook.com forward slash supermiddlebro or twitter.com forward slash supermiddlebro and uh, leave a comment there and we'll catch you up with it. We could probably do like a full episode on roller coaster. So just going to roller coaster like 10 times in a row. So we just stand there for like 50 minutes. Well, at least we've got something that can totally ruin our show, Danny. So thanks for giving the fans that idea. <laughs> like a bird flies in our face while we're recording. <laughs> on tonight's episode, we are talking about metalheads who are stuck in the past, or are they? We are going to review the latest Pyramaze album called Contingent. Contingent. But first, Danny, let's talk the news. Right off the bat, we're going to get you guys very, very excited. Decapitated, you know who they are. They're a death metal band that play all your favorite hits. Mostly that sounds like a chase or rusting right through a dead carcass. But uh, I think people can enjoy that, Danny. Oh, definitely, man. This is a time, if anything, where people love like decapitation and um, animals being maimed. If anything, why not now? Why, why this part of the year? Oh, you can just winter time. So winter means like you want winter foods, which means like your stews and your meat. So this ah. is the time where you want to start getting aggressive towards animals and start wanting them in your belly. Well, and if you want to get aggressive towards animals, look no further than Decapitated. They've released a new song for their album coming out. The song's called Never. Very familiar from stuff from Blood Mantra, Danny. I don't know if you're familiar with that album. Uh, obviously, now they've got that new drummer that's been working out for them. And uh, it does have that very fi- similar feel, but a bit more fleshed out, I think, which can... Uh, Help the fans really get juicy and moist for that uh, tenderloin roast they'll be eating. I like how you did that, mate. You used my mistake and you turned it into <laughs> a, a good segue. I like it. <laughs> I was doing that my whole life, man. That's that's where I've come to be with myself. We, we really should eat before doing this podcast, man, because I think our, our mind's somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. It is cold. We're here in Adelaide right now in Australia, and it is very, very cold. Not as cold as like the fr- winty frost in Sweden. That's why they write good music, man. What else are you going to do for 11 months of the year? Exactly. I mean, Ikea, you can't afford Ikea without, <laughs> without selling yeah, music. Bad furniture. I bought that. It was two bucks. Now what else am I going to do? Burn it. <laughs> Don't burn it. You'll die from the chemicals. Oh, or, true. or if you want to, then, then burn it. Yeah. Things that people like to burn. Well, we're not too sure, but ghosts sure are looking to uh, get some more money maybe to burn because they're looking to get 100 extras for a shoot they want to do. They want to do a film clip, right? And they've told people out there, the extras they're looking for, to dress up like you're going to Sunday Mass. Now, Danny, that's a peculiar problem because people who listen to ghosts, I wouldn't imagine go to Sunday Mass. Yeah, technically, yeah, you could be correct there. But <laughs> to be fair, the, the ghost gentleman, uh, Papa Uranimus, whatever it is, Uranimus? Yeah, Papa. and the people who are trying to sue him. Yeah, yeah but he, <laughs> and the band. Yeah, but he always comes out of the whole church thing. He has like the frankincense guy and he comes out with his Pope hat on. So he he, he definitely tries to recreate it. Maybe that's the problem. He maybe. 
he was never allowed to become a priest and he like gets back at the um Catholic or whatever religion by dressing up as a priest. Well, I remember, yeah, growing up as a kid, we were like the same kind of thing. And all I remember is really itchy pants and not playing my PlayStation. So, of course, I hated it, right? Yeah, like yeah. No, every normal kid. Um, So, it'll be interesting to see what they dress up as. Uh, I imagine people just dress up like they're going to you know the shops or something. So, I'm uh, not too sure what ghosts are expecting, right? Well, they, they've said they want like suits or dresses. So, pretty much when you watch The Simpsons, yeah, when they go to church, that attire... Apparently, if you want to make it, you can make it still. It's this, I think, Sunday, the 6th of May. Oh, cool. In, in Detroit. So if you leave tomorrow, you'll make it. Oh, that, Detroit? Are they American? Uh, I guess so. Oh, But apparently wow. it's Detroit, yeah. Oh, I always thought they were like Scandinavia of some kind, you know? They went to all that extra trouble with all the Just Satan's the imagery. They, oh, man, seriously. How many... You're a metal elitist, man. Like... With a, with a, <laughs> Just because they wear corpse paint doesn't mean they have to be from the northern area. I am Euro- such area. a metal racist, man. I just put you oh, all in the same box, you, man. You, you must be a Norwegian. <laughs> you disgust me. <laughs> Why can't you be like those Swedish kids? Oh, you melodic death metal people all the same, man, with you and your sadness. Oh, we've been talking about Simpsons a lot, so let's just keep going with it. Cypress Hill and London Symphony Orchestra to bring the Simpsons joke to life, question mark. For those of you who don't know, check out the Homer Palooza episode. That's season seven of The Simpsons. Wow. When they were, you know, getting pretty good. Yep. And uh, you'll get the taste of what classical music and that goes with it. I think on the, to be honest, on the show now, now being the elitist that I am, thanks, Danny, for that. Yep. Uh, listening to that on the show, I don't really like it. It's just, you know, it was funny. It was a good joke. Is this going to work? Exactly right. I mean, I don't really know too much Cypress Hill stuff. I mean, how much of it is going to be instrumental, like where they can really elaborate on it? Because most of the rap music, most of the rap music, as an old man would say, is kind of like the, the same. Showing your age, Danny. Yeah, I reckon. It's the same phrasing throughout the whole song. So I don't know much room you can really have an orchestra to do their part with, you know? Yeah, I'm not too sure either. Um, I, I just don't even know why I even put this sh- uh, show, uh, question on the air. I mean, Super Metal Brothers talking about Cypress Hill and The Simpsons. Um, it just seemed like a really good idea. Actually, yeah, why are we talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> Skipping on, Zach Wilde. Let's go back to metal right for a change, yeah, eh? Uh, Zach Wilde reunites with Ozzy Osbourne tour. Uh, basically, they're known as Rock's most lethal singer-slash-guitarist combination, you know. Um, these guys are going to hit the road for the Aussie headlining shows in the US around the summer. And um, it's one of those things that even Gus G could praise it. I'd imagine that Randy Rose could praise it, but uh, he's been missing an action ever since that plane flight then. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, surely, though, but yeah. Yeah, but for Gus G, who's also an next um, Aussie Osborne guitarist, to come out and praise the Zach Wilde, um, it's good that he's doing it. He always saw it coming. It's a... Uh, be a compliment. I don't really know how much how you could say their dynamic duo. I don't really know if too many like standout songs of theirs they've written together, but I think they're just so iconic because looking at them, they're just so memorable. You know, um, you know, Zach Wilde grew into his beard, which looks fantastic. Now he's as big as a barbarian um, from when he first started. Uh, I think he grew his marriage. Yeah, yeah, he grew his marriage. That's right. Um, They've got a couple of songs which I I know in my head, but you're right. I really can't say. However, because Ozzy was such a big figure and leaning off with Randy Rhodes, I think it was just natural, and he was just there for quite a long haul too. And uh, he's just Rosie is the biggest, I guess, marketing tool apart from maybe Alice Cooper. I'd imagine in the metal industry right now. I'm surprised Ozzy's still touring. Like Black Sabbath is all done. I thought that would have been pretty much Ozzy being done as well because I just didn't think he could still tour. But I guess if he just stays in America, it's probably okay. One thing about stealing is uh, apparently Fear Factory logos are easy to steal because there's an English restaurant that appears to have stolen the logo. Now, 
the similarities are so strong that even Dino came out and suggested that they didn't even know they owned a diner. Um, it really is an F and a backwards F together in a like Times New Roman bold font, right? But there's more it, to it though. You see, like the F has that little looping, like sickle top look. Oh right. And yeah. if you look in the Fear Factory, I've actually used that back to back F with that sloping sickle. Look again, it could be a um, honest mistake because the back to back F, yeah, and the um sloping sticker could be like a pizza pan or something so they thought they were being clever but you know probably uh, look, all the best ideas in the world they're always stolen so you know I don't think there's any hard feelings because I don't think I remember Dino coming out and saying oh dude you know I've got this album that you can pay for now I think it's just literally an honest mistake hopefully well unless honestly Dino was going to open up a fast food chain in England and who's going to use that logo? Does it really affect you? Really? Have you seen Dino's size? I think if you're doing him a favor, it's like, look, I don't want any money, Valley. I just want to know that if I'm in the area, you're going to pull a chair up for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if this restaurant's full, just get me there to sit alongside whoever the president for all I care. And yeah, uh, you could be like Lenny at um, Rainbow Bar and Grill. He's like, this is a Dino's like, stool next to like. Just throw him yeah. chicken wings. Just like, you, 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 stand, you can stand in the kitchen. Just be like, Woo. <laughs> oh, man. Can you believe Corn canceled uh, their, some of their dates for their latest tour, Danny? Yeah, I have a feeling their bass player had to like go to school. <laughs> That's right, because I got that guy. Up from yeah, the yeah, he had exams coming up, so I can't tour him. Man, I got exams. Oh shit, cancel. Yeah, all but three. So I'd imagine those are like the weekends where his parents yeah. let him out to go and do a yeah. gig in like Montreal or something. Because they haven't really come up with a reason why they've cancelled. They just said we can't play anymore. And the only the only thing different is they've got like a ten year old kid playing. Maybe maybe like child immigration or child services are breaking them down. So, hey, you, you can't hire this how kid. How can they 12. not foresee this as a problem? Like, how can they not be like, look, we're gonna twelve year old. And how does child services not come down and say, dude, you can't have a 12-year-old with you. You guys, what are you, over 30, 40s now? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, what do you Questions. guys, own a kindergarten? Questions. Questions. You know, um, yeah, so for that, we're like, guys, you know, we're here for you, man. We could have told you this, but, uh, you know, this is what happens in haste. You make really dumb decisions, you know? Like, I ended up buying a basketball game the other day on a PlayStation 4. I'm like, I haven't played basketball in 20 years, you know? But, you know, I was like, got nostalgic. You know, you see the cloud go across the, the shine. All of a sudden, you're, I don't know, you endorphins can't kick in and that's it you know you have to like regress and buy stuff like that so I guess that's what they did okay <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to go to this story too early but um, we're going to keep talking about maybe the metalhead of the week let's talk about the, the metalhead of the week right who actually um, is a police officer cop hears a metal band jamming in a garage decides to join them we're talking about the uh, sheriff's deputy miguel garcia and his partner they're around the area at the time and just doing an investigation following it up as you know good police officers tend to yeah. do checking the body parts in the bin half oh done, that's you know? right you know i'm sure it was a heavily infested black community so that keeps them missing. <laughs> <laughs> actually they're playing rocks so probably not, probably not. <laughs> and um you know what they came across some music and like anyone, like a siren drawn by, you know, some guys on a boat that at the end of the day, Symphony X would end up stealing all their stuff. Yeah. Um, they, they followed the sound and saw some kids playing and decided to join them. And online, you'll actually find them singing or playing together uh, some offspring, an offspring cover. Oh, there you go. You know, uh, I think it was, um, I don't really know if it really matters. Uh, oh, yeah, kids aren't all right. So, you know, if you guys are into punk, you know, whatever. But it's a good, feel good story. So, Miguel Garcia, you are the metalhead of the week. Good on you, police officer, man. Instead of, you know, instead of beating on people he bet on the uh, drums so but that's great with the light you must have the darkness and with that danny we are going to give our opinions on who is the bad guy in the agonist 
I guess you had the controversy, the agonist controversy, Ooh, right? Agonist in the skate. Can you fill in to our fans a little bit about maybe a little bit of a backstory to give them the hint of what's going on with this story? Because I got a few things myself. To your yeah, Agnes, a Canadian band from Canada. Now they used to- <laughs> Aside from the Canadian band that's from Australia. Yeah, they're shit. <laughs> I don't know who they are. <laughs> they, they bought Vegemite on the pancakes. Freaking morons. Oh, God. Anyway, so this band here used to have Elise of White Gloose, I yeah. guess, as her lead singer. But then Elise White Gloose went on to greener pastures or went over her Canadian hills to the um, nice American city. And, no, got Arch Enemy. No, no, Swedish. American. Yeah, Swedish. So she went all the way across the water to uh, see Swedish and joined uh, Arch Enemy. So, but apparently there's been a bit of a controversy. Uh, first, we all thought it was just, you know, she left Agonist, became Arch Enemy, and that's how it was. But now uh, both parties, both her and Agonist, have come out and have pretty much said what they think really occurred and it's a bit of controversy. So we're going to start off with Elisa Gloos because she fired the shots first. Now, basically, she came out and saying that she didn't agree with what they did and they and she doesn't have any respect for what they did. And, they can't, and she can't even be in the same room with them. Like she gets, Apparently, the triggering happens where, wow. you know, like an insane blogger, you know, you go into like a safe space, pillows and kittens or something well, like she's that. She's like flashbacks. No, I don't want to do that. Then... I think the band, I think, was either... They, they felt they must confront this issue because, you know, when such a juggernaut, because she is a part of a juggernaut band, is kind of throwing crap about your band, potentially they have to go into damage control and come out with their their side of the story, right? And it is long. If you want to go over, I think it was to Blabbermouth, where they kind of just emptied out all this baggage I've been carrying around. And this has been documented. The guitarist, I think, went out and... Um, I think he's been working on this for a while. Yeah, I don't think this just, is documented this stuff. It's not a response. This Honestly, is like, this yeah. is like literally a calculator because it was almost planned like he knew this girl was going to set this band yeah, up, his yeah. band up. So he went on and literally, if you you know Law and Order, it's like an episode of that where he's actually got the dot points already down and he's already got, he's already on the attack where Elusive Gloose was very vague and, you know... More shoot from the hip top stuff. Yeah, exactly. Here, very like, kind of emotional. These guys were very calculated and yeah. precise almost to the second. Um, the biggest problem I have with this, however, and you should go ahead and make your, your own decision, guys. Like, uh, as much as we are charismatic and you're lazy, as we are lazy, I'd imagine, it's good to go out and read the story yourself. Um, I believe that Alyssa Glass was in the wrong. And the reason why I'm going to say this Ooh. is that she fired downwards. Even if, for example, the worst case scenario, they were so pissed off with her and they're like, nah, we've got this, you know, uh, let us deal with this band, you go on to that. She's an arch enemy now. So if in order her to torch a band, which now she has basically the willpower with all her connections to destroy now, you know, it's like, you know, the Agatha's band, don't hire them. And then she'll give it any example of reasons, right? And to do that of the band that she claims that she started, or at least was a fundamental part of, which the guitarist does acknowledge to a degree, um, yeah, and she just torched him, burned him to a crisp. The reason she is who she is and where she is, she's decided to just take a big fat dump all over their backyard. Uh, that's douchebag, man. Yeah, that's pretty sucky, man. Yeah, yeah. You know? Apparently, as well, when she was uh, making that transition from Agonist to Arch Enemy, she was all hush-hush about it. Apparently, she, um, I think the guitarist of Agonist came out and said she didn't tell us who the band was, she never let anyone know, and she always said, oh, no, I'll be doing both, I'll be doing both, until eventually um, she pretty much left. 
uh, solely the, focus on that, the, Jeremy. The biggest part of the article that uh, light up my life, which was right in the middle, oh, is basically when the label, like Century Media, was uh, asking what's going on, and they're like, yeah, uh, Lisa Glass is in a secret band. They were surprised, but then they told the band that she was in Arch Enemy because yeah. obviously they're tied to both. And was, I guess either from their recommendation or whatever, who knows? Well, no, always apparently um, Elisa told Century Media that she informed the band that she's in Arch Enemy and that they're all right. happy with it and they're glad she is, whatever. And but they had nothing, they knew nothing. And that was the thing, I guess, when you're trying to have both, both sides of it. And really... When you're a part of a bigger band like that, she she, she should have just stepped off and been like, yeah, guys, yeah. I'm out. Thank you so much for it. How can I make this transition as easy as possible? Because as far as you're concerned, Alyssa, you're no longer part of that band anymore. You know, you're a nobody right now to that band in a sense, you know? Thank you very much. And if they want you the second out of that door, then you, they're entitled for that because they need to now reestablish a whole new sound or direction, singer, uh, publicizing, uh, management, which, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And... And that's why I think Elisa Gloss deserves our honourable douchebag of the week. Oh, douchebag of the week. It's a new one now. And that's the thing. She comes out as a feminist, right? And that's really interesting <laughs> like that. Because what she did is prove that women out there can be just as big of a douchebag as the guys in the middle community, right? Mm. So for that, welcome aboard. Equality is mm. about treating people when they do equally shitty things to another. So, uh, And we've, we've, we've had some guys on here do some really, really shitty things, right, Danny? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially like certain record labels and certain record companies not looking out for their people. All right. With that, yeah. let's go into the darkest vo- hour, The Vocalist. We never got one penny from Victory Records. It wouldn't be the first band. Can you believe that this is the second one? I think we covered A Day to Remember. They actually took Victory Records to court and won. Yeah, it's not just and there's been other record labels as well we've covered in the past. Yeah. It's terrible. So basically, he, apparently they're one of five bands or a few bands that are on the Victory contract. Five albums, 10 years, still haven't received a royalty check. Come on, man. I can't believe two douchebags, man. I mean, they're a conglomeration of douchebags probably because, you know, there's probably like not just one person taking their hard-earned money. Um, they're, they're, hoping, they're, they're hoping for the light of day, but you, you, you're better off buying lotto tickets by the sounds of it when it comes to these people or just sue them. That'd be even easier. Oh, it's hard with swimming. To, to sue, you need money to get a lawyer. You know, and then you got to find out oh, where you sue, what country you have to sue them in, all those crap are. When it gets when it gets that ugly, it just becomes disappointing. I mean, you you don't want to get lawyers involved because no one wins, the lawyers win. That's how it comes down to. So, I mean, to be fair, as I lay dying, I think it was. Yeah, so, yeah they they've tried. Well, as I remember, I think it was. As, as I remember, they're trying to sue the, that record label for like tens of millions of dollars. Um, this couple, this guys, they might do it as well. But like they said, they're probably one of the first bands to actually complete their contract with Future Records. Probably because the other guys just leave because of non-payment or whatever they yeah. said like, screw you leave us alone so these guys they've actually done their obligation they've done their five albums in 10 years whatever now they're free to go on but still all that money you're losing all that it's terrible yeah now we feel for the guys you know it's hard enough making a living in today's metal community when you were seeing bands like the ones reviewed tonight have like 2,000 followers on Facebook criminal the mm-hmm. amount of hours that would have been put into some of these new heavy metal records diversity production or whatever and not to see just a general recognition of a worldwide scale, which we're going to talk about later on in our editorial. So let's move on to another story with the Chicago teachers. Now, here we are talking about teachers, police officers. You'd think this is like 60 minutes or something. But no, we're talking about uh, teachers in Chicago who are striking after Venom was banned from classrooms. 
putting Venom in a classroom already is like, these teachers are just my idols, man. I mean, to have the balls to be like, let's, you know. And why do they do it? Why do teachers want to put metal into classrooms, Danny? Well, I mean, it's awesome. And it, it, it helps people like learn critical thinking, etc. Because it's all about, you know, understanding different topics. The lyrics are quite interesting. Uh, I guess you think it gets you being creative. The music's quite diverse. So it's all that. But this was apparently to do with math. Yeah, it was yeah. A, an English, I think, as well. Basically, they wanted a way to connect with students and uh, they found it fun and, and an engaging way of doing it, which I would agree if that's what the kids are into right now. Uh, Venom is an interesting choice. I mean, you know, they've been around for quite a long time. Not even Metallica. It was Venom. Uh, the imagery is far more darker, though, and maybe that's what the kids like in Chicago. And if that's the case, why were born in Adelaide? We've, Danny, we've got to move this podcast up and beyond, I reckon. Nah, we just bring the Venom to us, man. That's mm. how it's easier, it's cheaper. Now, what they found was attendance was improving, and um, this is actually kind of working to a degree. However, obviously, schools being the nannies that they are, they didn't like the uh, satanic images and murder. Apparently... They also claim that math and reading had declined, although the article suggests that higher test scores and willingness from students obviously increased. Um, I'm not too sure about the same imagery because it's not really. It's Catholic and Christian imagery, isn't it, Danny? Whoa, that's a good point because Satan is part of Catholic... So unless it is a public school and it's like, well, we don't really allow religious things in our school. I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's a good point because, I mean, you know, it's all stolen from, you know, whatever, right? Let's not get too into it. However... Oh, do, who, do, who, do, who do we go on with? The article suggests otherwise, but the, the school's saying, look, it's not actually working. It's just getting more kids to come to class, mm. but they're still seeing a decline. I'm like, but can more kids come into class? Yeah. So who's going to win this argument, Danny? Well, that's a good point. I think that the, the real point is, is this actually a satirical article? Is this a real article? <laughs> I'm covering it like a legit article. I, I was like, I don't know, man. It seems to be a bit too tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, maybe it was real. But anyway, look, if it was real... All right. It's disappointing that teachers can't teach how they want to teach because apparently what the article is suggesting is that they, the school system wants to teach towards standardized testing. So they want, they want to pretty much sheep kids into passing standardized testing and get those results, which it's not how you, that's how you teach, not how you educate. So yeah. that's, that's probably the, the and, annoying and, thing. And if we were wrong and it is a fake article, we will be call ourselves the Super Moronic Brothers for next week. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. It, but we just love a good story. That's, uh, that's it's that just so great. You know, like, sue, sue me. I love the, a good story. The sheer possibility that teachers are thinking about connecting with kids by using heavy metal is just such a beautiful thing. It's why our existence on this show you know, is here for. And, uh, you know, I just want to... I wish that... I really hope this is true, Danny. It'd be sweet if it was. Yeah. Let's, uh, no, it is true. Matt, no. I'm sorry, Matt. That was me being rude. This is a true story. Those teachers are heroes. That school board... Boo. Hey, Danny, you want to hear a story that maybe is probably true, but you wish it was fake? Uh, I do actually have. My hair is actually growing. Russell Allen. This is even worse. Russell Allen, there is no future plans for Symphony X at this time. What a bastard. So what he said is basically, I'm doing Adrenaline Mob. Why? I don't know. And um, the guitarist... Uh, Ra- Romeo. Romeo that's Michael right Romeo. Michael Romeo has come out and said he's happy to do a solo album yeah interesting which I think he should get a guest vocalist on board for us oh, sweet who you know? and I'm thinking he should get someone with a lot of power 
Got great range. Doesn't like to screen, but though he can get those beckoning growls, right? Yeah. I'm thinking Russell Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now he's going to need a drummer and a keyboardist and a bass player, Danny. Do you reckon he can find one? I mean, it's a band that's gone on hiatus, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're probably going to need work, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think two of the other guys are probably going to be named Michael and the other guy yeah. named Jason. And, right. Uh, yeah. So how about he gets these guys together for a solo album? You could call yeah. it. I guess Michael Remy is a bit like, you know, selfish and a bit, you know. It's not, like, it's not Richie Blackmore, yeah. Yeah, it's not Richie Blackmore. It's, just, it's, really, it's really a jerk thing to do, right? Calling yourself yeah. Michael Remy. So, what did you call it? Just a, a concept album, call it Symphony X, right? Just as an idea, right? Yeah. You know, so he's got this band called Symphony X, right? Yeah. So, Symphony X can be on hiatus, yeah. but then Symphony X yeah, oh, can yeah. have another album now. I see what you did. So, your left hand is one Symphony X, but your right hand is the other Symphony X, and then you like separate them, but. They do the same stuff. Yeah. So uh, that's my solution. Everyone wins, like right? That, and yeah. then Adrenaline Mob stops. And that makes me really <laughs> happy. Come on. Did you see the film clip? Actually, I haven't yet. Apparently, oh, it's cheesy. Because like the last album that you bought had covers on it's, it. Well, it was called Coverta. It's just a covers album. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Like, great for you. But like, are you going to tour with that? Like, you're wasting all this potential. You are such a great guy, you know. But he's a Jersey thing, right? It has to be a Jersey thing. He's a Jersey thing, yo. He's garbage. <sighs> anyway, so that's disappointing. Apparently, like, Symphony X, they always take a couple of years to write albums anyway, so... Alright, we're going to tie Bad Boy around this so we can go on to our editorial because I've got so much to say about that. So let's leave it with Deep Purple Ian Pace on the reunion with Richie Blackmore. There is no point for the Deep Purple band right now that us uh, to consider that. Why was Richie Blackmore a big part of Deep Purple, Danny, for those who don't know? Oh, pretty much Richie Blackmore was the founding member one of the founding members of Deep Purple I think with Ian Pace and I think either Glother or Lord you know Smoke on the Water Black Knight those iconic songs that's on every Triple M you know on the hour every hour pretty much that was him right that's pretty much Ricky Street Blackmore him then went of course to Rainbow etc but it's a different story so yeah so for him uh yeah Richard Blackmore pretty much formed Deep Purple all their greatest songs are pretty much Blackmore songs they haven't really made any album or radio hits or big track since that time you know uh, there there is intelligence out there that the rocket that was fired from north korea to russia was stopped by richie blackmore's riff writing you know that's how that's how poignant and transcending his riffs are they literally blow up metallic things it's so metal it blows up other metal things Uh, that's amazing just here's the metal resonance come on man we were listening to rainbow rising last week long with rock and roll um uh, perfect strangers and I'm like, every time he's playing guitar, it's a riff that you're like, oh, that's going to be stuck in my head until now, yeah. until three years after I'm dead. Yeah, yeah. So, but the only problem with that is that Richie Blackmore is the problem. And what, yeah. And what Ian Pace pretty much says that I can't, there's no guarantee that every day with Blackmore back in the team will be enjoyable. Yeah. And as for at his age now, he's in late 60s, he doesn't really want to put up with that attitude anymore. So he's like, no, just keep Richie where he is, we'll keep, Steve Morse so we'll just keep going what we're doing because we're enjoying ourselves and to be honest I wouldn't even guarantee I mean what Deep Purple wrote we reviewed this album a couple of weeks ago so if you guys want to check out all we have to say about that uh, what Deep Purple are writing right now is fantastic yeah. anyway uh, it's a good throwback to a sound with the Hammond organ guitars and stuff like that but more contemporary with production and stuff like that as well. So having Richie Blackmore in the band anyway is not really necessary because the last thing he did in the metal scene, that Rainbow album, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, see, this is, you know, like talking to our boy again, Michael Romeo, it was a pile of crap. Yeah. It, was, it was a bad lineup. The songs were 
like just ripped off from other songs or just lazily done. Mm. So, um, you know, and we love Richie to death too. So we want to see his stuff he does with the, who's the new singer he's got on Bad Boy Danny? Uh, yeah, it's like, it's, his name's also Romeo. I think Ronnie Romeo. Ronnie Romeo. So hopefully the stuff he does with Ronnie Romeo is exactly what uh, Rainbow fans have been dying to hear. Or pretty much most of them would have died listening before the. <laughs> 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 <Yeah, old. laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so guys for the news. We're going to jump straight to the editorial. And a, and a uh, funny thing happened where a certain article that was written in 2013 uh, crept back into our conscious, or at least was recycled into the metal community, asking the question: Are heavy metal, are metal heavy metal like fans stuck in the past? Now, I think it's a really interesting question to ask because we've seen quite a lot of bands uh, have such a strong following that even to this day, who are playing, who started 20, maybe even 30 years ago, are still headlining tours, Danny. Yeah, definitely right. I mean, I guess the biggest one, of course, is Metallica, where a lot of the diehard fans even say they haven't written a good album since the early 90s. Yet those diehard fans are still buying Metallica albums, still supporting them. So it's something, even though like a band used to be really great, uh, it's the, the fans still buy their stuff, and it's like, well, well, why are you just why are people still focusing on these old school bands yeah. when a lot of new stuff, which is good quality, and it's even probably a bit more technically better than these early stuff, then getting a chance. It's quite it's quite interesting. The problem we have right now is that uh, firstly, let's acknowledge metal sucks for the question, right? Mm. They they put up a, a really good uh, one that straight away I knew we had to ask our super metal fans, which have responded really well. We'll get to you guys in a sec. So we'll give them credit for that. Now let's take it back and give them the backhand of the compliment because, you know, that's what we have to do with these guys. The article is fairly condescending and it's a really bad attempt on being funny. And I know it just stinks like Axel Rosenberg where he's just, he really does, has nothing but contempt for anyone other than his kind of view of kind of the way the world is, I think, you know, to be honest. And maybe he's trying genuinely to connect with an audience, but, um, you know, with stuff like, I don't know about you, but it's pretty embarrassing. I mean effing move on you losers when you're saying it to the same community, community that you're trying to win over it doesn't look good for your company Danny that's not great especially because these effing metal losers are the ones who like read your articles and <laughs> paying your paychecks so I know, you know the ones who come so you can take all that money off of the advertising that you've uh, ripped them off from now the two questions the two points he made uh, we'll bring up first and then we're going to bring up our fans because I think our fans make far far more poignant points it should really be writing for an online publication um, the the one thing he said was the metal scene is creatively bankrupt and it hasn't really produced anything since the 90s. Uh, okay. Apart from Gent, to be fair, he said that's the only thing you... Well, maybe. Well, uh, we'll get, we'll get yeah. into that, yeah. yeah. Uh, metal fans are narrow-minded, unsophisticated and hate on anything you or groundbreaking that comes along. Okay, whatever. Let's talk about what our fans had to say, though, so we can really get an understanding. Maybe we give us 20 cents of our own thoughts and feelings. Uh, Luke Serta... Was metal better back then? Question mark. Depends. On the genre and so on. Death metal in the early 90s was insane. As for today, love some of what is available. Okay. Uh, Jacob Fluffy Slippers. I feel like most of the iconic bands are the ones who started or helped perfect certain sounds. Now, it's all been done before, so it's harder for bands to have such impact. All been done before, Danny. Oh, that's a really interesting thing. Has mm. metal just hit a plateau of creativity. Uh, I doubt that. No, I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm going to say no as well. Yeah. Um, I do understand where Jacob's coming from, however, mm. though. 
Uh, hard, harder to be creative, possibly, but there has been some interesting things in the local, uh, in the very underground, where they're combining black metal with industrial sounds, or um, you know, the, the flow of gent now into being more progressive. It, it's quite unique. It's, it hasn't been really done before. Yeah, so like the whole new metal scene, how that's affected metal. Yeah. Um, let's keep moving on though. Uh, Jamie Jackson metal music doesn't lose its relevance. Most metalheads love past and present and can't wait for what's new. Completely overriding what thing I said before. Uh, th- we'll come back to what Jamie said. Uh, Mitch Ramsey, I was saying nostalgia. Music always ev- evolves. Maybe nostalgia is stronger than um, what comes out, you know? And I'll talk about that a little bit later on too. Stephen Brown, definitely stuck in the past. I'm guilty of it too. Danny, are you guilty of that? Have you been stuck in the past? Yeah, definitely. I was like, especially before we started this podcast where we do a new album every week, so I'm kind of engaged with new bands. Before that, I was just pretty much like Dio, Purple, and like Rainbow, and I'll listen to that all the time. And the only band which really... I kept up to date with modern bands like Symphony X because that was kind of like the new version of that. So for me, I was pretty much kept old school and every now and then I'll let myself open up to the new things. I can understand why people get addicted to drugs because I'm actually addicted to riffs, right? And I've been chasing the feeling of certain riffs for at least 10 years now. Um, mostly just still for, my, for the band I'm in currently now with some of my friends. However, um, I think it's really important that... Um, I can understand what he's saying because there is a lot going on of nostalgia right now and that is very strong. So we're going to, that's a good point. Uh, Peter Mitchell, I like the old stuff. The new stuff and everything in between in saying that I do tend to pick older bands over newer bands live. I do that because you never know what you will get to see them again. So the risk of like, this is the final tour. I mean, with Kiss, obviously they'll be around forever. For the but, 20 final tours. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But for these guys, well, maybe not for Kiss. You know, they come out and said, well, if we can't make any money out, we're not going to do it. Like just showing that to the fans are really there to make sure they're there to make sure they buy their stuff and paying respects to them. Yeah. Where, where's the money, Danny? Where, where, where is, where is that house going to come from if yeah. they're going to do a tour? Like remaining even, nah, it's not necessary, man. I think uh, Kiss is probably the first band which made you pay for your actual paper ticket. Is that no, no? Yeah, you buy your ticket, but you actually have to physically pay for that paper ticket as well. We couldn't be finished off with our fans without a Simpsons uh, joke, Jackie Tran. Living in the past, stop living in the past. Like, live in the past, man. I'm still living in the past. You know, even got us a little snippet onto the YouTube, you know. So, um, look, this is really, really good point, Danny. Um, metalheads being stuck in the past. Now, do you find with the metalheads that you engage quite often in yourself, is nostalgia the reason why the next kind of bands coming through is not going to evolve? Is, are metalheads are the worst thing about metal? Or is there something more deeper to this that we're not really getting? Yeah, I mean, that, it is a very big question a multifaceted question at that um, I guess one of the big concerns is p- human nature and human nature is f- fierce change so you pick something you're comfortable with and you just stick with that because that's comfortable to you you like it it's what first got you excited and interested in it so you just want to keep to that comfort zone that's a part of it the other part is that the rabbit hole gets quite deep these days with metal bands so where do you go which direction you go into um, some people correct some of the first bands which established that sound that's the sound you loved so you think well that's the sound i love other people are just a version of that band maybe not as good maybe that's your bias tree saying they're not as good so you don't want to go to follow those bands it, there's a lot of different reasons why people like the older stuff i'm gonna say that growing up i think when you're for me when i was growing up obviously the metal bands that i really liked 
uh, the ones who got me through times that I didn't know how to express myself. And these guys were kind of like the reason I'd go to them. Um, they became a part of my backbone in a sense and, and part of myself because they were literally how I like to identify myself and um, and, and my, my salvation when times when I couldn't feel like I could talk to anyone. So all of a sudden, this band now is a part of you, right? Now, you've got so much emotional investment. Like I had so much emotional investment into these bands that I never wanted to let that go in a sense. So holding on to that is really important. The only thing is, like you were saying, those bands that were marketed brilliantly in that time were the ones that I think naturally as a kid you get drawn to and as nostalgia growing up, you might have that certain round of affection and respect and rah, rah, rah for that four, right? So I found that that's what I kind of noticed in myself that I was happy because even in that times as well growing up, uh, a lot of one, loved ones that we lost, uh, listening to, they'll get, they got me into those sounds as well. And I'm like, wow, you know, and you have that connection as well. Not only just nostalgia, but also of um, the connection of loved ones. So you get to revisit those things. This isn't very funny, but um, I think it's really important that we do suggest it because I wanted to say that um, maybe for some people, they have the same feelings. Maybe they're so much uh, story that's growing up that you've stuck with it now. And, um, how can a band compete with that? How can a band that come out with a killer sounding riff and that give you an honest and deeper connection to something mm. that was marketed back in the day, which then was passed on to the youth as well? Yeah. You know, and that's why I have to say about Metallica, Iron Maiden and all that. They were growing up in ways without the internet, without access to all these things. There's such an emotional connection there because one, it was like really impossible to find out who other bands were. And when they finally broke through, you felt like you were a part of that as well. Is that fair to say, Danny, or is that kind of... Making uh, putting the putting a light on a, on a situation that uh, people came in avoid really. Uh, look, it's hard. You're right. metal is an emotional based thing, and human nature is a real thing. So there, there probably are certain patterns people go with. I mean, the other patterns, well, it's like well, going back to the big bands. Those big bands back then, there weren't as many bands, so a lot of people could be excited by one or two bands because in those genres, you probably only had like a handful of really great bands. So you've you've picked those and you love those. I think it's also that thing that if someone's been successful and around for such a long time, you're automatically going to support them or follow them because you you believe that, oh, they must be a good band because they've been around for so long. I want to support them because they must be the, the best of the best. Mm. And again, that might not necessarily be true. I mean, you're right, nostalgia is always there. I mean, Depot was gone forever. I still buy their stuff. Even though some of the albums are terrible, I still support it so it's just one of those things that yeah you're right you, you also you feel from pay respect to them and you want them to do well like oh you've been around so long you deserve to do well i should support you do you think metalheads are the only ones guilty of this though uh well agree yeah it's hard to say because i don't really i'm not really that invested into other musical genres so really okay so let, let's let's address some of the questions that the article brought upon the two that they main did the metal scene is creatively bankrupt has no one done anything different? That is complete nonsense as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It is such a lazy attempt to justify uh, a point that is... Look at what happened with Nevermore, Symphony X, um, the way that Groove Metal has yeah. now transcended upon... Like melodic Death Metal. Melodic Death yeah. Metal. Groove Metal. What Sugar are doing? What? Creatively bankrupt. Are yeah. you for real? Like These guys metal. are the most influential yeah. metal bands of all time. They created a freaking genre. You know, with an album that was released after the 90s, you know, may I add, you know, I mean, they started projecting that sound in the 90s, but it didn't hit until they decided to go with the lower strings and they perfected with Obzen, right? Let's be honest. Um, so, Creative Blank Rock is complete nonsense as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, yeah. and 
the the tone that this guy has is so condescending and so misinformed that you would almost believe that it was a parody of a of an actual article yeah, about I mean, metal. You might you probably argue that sure there's bands in the early nineties and eighties which are technically great technically great songs, but yeah, but the level of the technicality on like has increased on a more of a larger scale now. You have a lot more bands which are technically good, technically superior than the older bands, and he wrote just as good riffs. So you can't really yeah say that it's terrible. And then people have improved sound so the progressive metal keeps improving as it goes along yeah i agree and the way metal production's got now is probably the reason why um it's got even more perfected in the sound and maybe it moved away from a certain thing we can talk about another time but let's move on to number two because i feel like we've answered number one quite well uh quite well yeah he's just just saying no (laughs) (laughs) metal fans are narrow-minded and unsophisticated all right, um, that's that. That's quite hard to to grasp when you're talking about fans who have taken on a genre which is so challenging in a sense that it's quite confronting in lyrical themes, imagery, the sound, the dissonance coming through with certain chord changes and uh, ideas. Um, so to say they're narrow-minded, I think is like. You're just talking about people who are probably the most open-minded of all genres. I know people, most of my metalhead friends, for example, have at least another genre of style of music that they get into. Like They might like classical music, acoustic, R&B, Jazz. drum and bass. Yeah. Um, no. No, you can't say this about metal fans. Our metal sucks and think we're going to get away with it. This is terrible. And I think metal fans is why they're running away from... Uh, contemporary media because whether it comes from CNN Fox News all these guys they're so disengaged from metal com- from the actual community itself yeah. that it actually hurts but it's pretty hard as well because a lot of these like, we have Metal Hammer have the Golden God Awards and they're no they're no saint either all of their awards they always keep giving to the same people Iron Maiden always wins the best band Metallica will get a, a new album so all these like big bands automatically seem to get nominated for awards even though they don't deserve it I'm like no there's plenty of great guitarists or vocalists and smaller bands you should be giving them the awards and giving them legs up yeah so I think what I want to talk about right now is saying that how is it is it possible right now do you see a future Danny where metal fans now will cast out the shackles of it or do you believe that metal bands now coming right through need to take away from those bands who is it that you think I mean we could say both right but let's say what's more important what's going to be the difference for the metal changing right now uh, I reckon honestly you need to have all the old guys retiring because when the old guys will retire people are forced to find a new people to fill in it's it's just one of those things that as long as these old bands keep going around people are always going to be Involved Those old bands, though, that like you, said, I've seen Metallica news where they're like they're frustrated with the youth because they're not trying to take it. They're always being polite. Uh, I think the metal community in itself is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I think the fans are as passionate yeah. as always been. Yeah. We've seen them come out. The fans are not the problem. However, I do find the bands are finding giving way too much respect and acknowledgement for these higher bands, and they maybe need to start being a bit more assertive and taking away some of their steam because they don't need it anymore, and they need to start putting themselves over. Being what metalheads used to be about, and it's not giving an F, right? But right now, you can really tell that people touching up, treading on toes and rah, 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 and seeing a backlash of certain communities against them is bad for PR, and they can't do it. So um, I want to. I think the next step is, the, is a band coming through the ranks and um, transcending above the mediocrity of not their playing or not the music, but of a brand. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Ramstein is the closest thing I can think about to it because they went all sexual and shit. And they're like, who cares? We're going to do all the most risque things. And they took off. Yeah, Look yeah. how big these guys are, right? 
So what's next? Now, they said that you can't shock anyone, but I disagree. I think right now, our atmosphere is very easy to shock. Oh, yeah. Our, our political climate yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to go to Sydney and Melbourne. And these guys are getting offended by freaking traffic signs. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine right now what the metal community can do to shake up this whole entire industry? And they're not. Because to be honest, half of them are a part of it. You read these Metal Injection and Metal Sucks websites and they are happy to toe a line. So um, I need to see a band come out and and that's and I think that will change this discussion. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people have come out recently, even like the old punk scene have come out and said they're very um, yeah, surprised, disenfranchised with the people coming through. They're, they're not representing what the scene was used to be yeah. about and what it was but about. But musically, yeah. they're... Freaking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I gotta be honest, half the stuff I bought in the last ten years is my some of my favourite metal I've ever bought. Mm. Darkane, Nevermore, Symphony X, Meshuggah, um, even some of the Lamb of God stuff. Uh, I really don't really like Lamb of God anymore, but there's other bands, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so I wanna see um Liberation come back into metal, and I think that will cause a divide in the metal scene, which it needs. It needs to go back to understanding what is important, and that is the expression of ideas, and right now we're not getting that. And I think that is probably why and that, that maybe that's bled through the whole entire community of bands and maybe that's what the fans want to see because I've seen the forums man they give a lot of shit to these mm. uh, like from going say when Metal Sucks or whatever saying that we shouldn't call people faggots all the way to this article people hate hearing this shit and reading yeah. this shit and they will go in numbers to attack it and I love them for it that's why I'm always going to consider myself uh, part of the crowd for sure but was, that's my thing so m- being nostalgic I don't think so. I think there's a deep underlying uh, seated, uh, kind of like a um, hive mind, I'd like mm. to call it. Where it comes from, I don't know, you yeah. know, um, but I'd like to think that right now, that's where we're at, the political state, and I'd love to see a metal band come against it. Oh, look, I think you're saying it's all fair points, but at the same time, I think fans, they, they really should give newer bands a chance because you do have some bands, fans who literally say, no, no, this band's better, this band's better, this band's better, just because, no, they are, but... They're, okay. they're not because like, honestly they are it's because they believe they are because they've always loved that band they've always thought, you just just be be more special like, when you first got in metal how great what that was mm. imagine experiencing and developing and finding new bands all the time how great that would be so it's just about like self-discovery and self-exploration just find new bands out there and support them because they are Whatever band you like, there's probably no band out there you love. Yeah, and make sure you fans are buying that record, man. Like, yeah. we don't want to see any smart marks, man, who are just stealing these uh, albums, you know. I've heard so many people justify themselves by stealing an album or song saying that the band doesn't need it. I'm like, no way, man. Nah, they need it, you man. need to just make sure you go out. And if you buy it on, like, you know, Amazon, iTunes, or JV Hi-Fi, wherever, just get it somewhere, you know, mm. and make sure that that artist is seeing... Yeah, the rightful uh, way of getting their songs, you know, and let's like some stuff on Facebook too. (laughs) So Massive Metal Brother Matt will be happy again. (laughs) Definitely right. All right, guys, thank you guys so much for chiming in for that. You know, head over to facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro uh, for more of our stories and stuff like that and podcasts and that kind of thing. And yeah, if you guys got a question that you guys want us to answer, love to hear from you guys. But until then, let's go on to our CD review. Not very often on the uh, Super Metal Brothers podcast, Danny, that we talk about power metal, let alone Danish power metal. Yeah, that is quite an interesting one, Danny. I mean, <laughs> I guess we had Sabaton last year. I think they were Danish as well. They were, I guess they were kind of power metal more like uh, folk metal, whatever you describe, war metal. <laughs> yeah, well, here we are talking about a band called Pyramaze. Don't know who they are? Well, you know what? We didn't either. This was an absolute fluke. Basically, like I've talked about in the podcast before, 
in order to find certain metal bands, I go to YouTube and press the random option. You know what that is? You just play a metal band that you like, and then you go to the right-hand side and just see about metal band names that you don't know who they are, and you click on it. Uh, I stumbled across these guys uh, by that, and I saw the film clip for the second track uh, we're talking about, King- Kingdom of Solace. Oh, Kingdom of Solace. Oh, okay. Another one, jeez. And uh, I saw that, I'm like, we have to review these guys. But who are the Danish metal Progressive power metal, we'll call them Pyramids. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the band. Formed in 2001, they uh, spent a bit of time brewing. They had an album come out in 2004 called McCauley Beast. That was their debut album. Uh, they've pretty much been since then uh, known as a progressive power metal band. Danny, from what we've heard from the CD, would you be that's fair? Is that what yeah. you'd give them? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. They announced the uh, follow-up to the album previously to this called Disciple of the Sun, and this album we're reviewing now is called Contingent, which is that follow-up from that album. It was released on the 28th of April, 2017, through Inner Wound Records. Now, the website goes on to say, and this is their own public sell because you can't find much about this album anywhere else. The website says, gathering from the best elements of their musical influences and coming together to show the world that Pyramaze is indeed back again. I didn't know they were gone the first time. Well, because you didn't know they were who they were the first time. <laughs> it's kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy there, Matt. Oh, that's right. And the way we review albums is a five-step program. We go risks for number one, vocals number two, diversity number three, Groove number four, and the overall production as the, all these things combined is number five. Speaking of the riffs, Danny, there are quite a lot of them for a progressive power metal outlet. I guess that's the whole point. What did mm. you think of them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, these these riffs definitely vary quite a bit. You definitely have your soft, melodic, acoustic sections to your pretty much actually tough and pretty rocking sections. Yeah. Um, there are some standout riffs which really get you rocking along, like track four, for example. That's pretty sweet. Mm. Uh, even track seven, that's a great song. Uh, but for me, it feels like as great as their riffs are, I just felt like there was something which there was like an X factor which they, a lot of their riffs needed to um, help bring out. Which um, yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, they had great songs and great melodies and great riffs, but there's something out there I just couldn't really put my finger on. Um, I found that all the riffs actually, yeah, the diversity was quite interesting because they obviously do change it up generally. However, I find that each song is reflective of a certain style of mellow death. Slash groove, slash that little bit of goth as well. It kind of feels like very Scandinavian in that sense. Um, as far as power metal goes, this is the closest I've gone to really enjoying power metal. And I think that's an unfair moniker because I really consider these guys to be a mellow death band slash a, I guess, power metal band would be. And that's really because of the vocals. I don't really hear much of the lyrics being imagery around that kind of fantasy kind of style, to be honest. Um, the riffs are pretty tough in general. There's a bit of that folk kind of feel and there's only one track that had a guy and a girl yeah, yeah. singing I was surprised that they took so long for a ballad I mean if you're, if you're a true yeah. power metal progressive band why are you waiting until the second last track for a ballad yeah but most of those riffs I really feel like are kind of reminiscent of Scar Symmetry's Dark Matter Dimensions and those people know that as a more like death metal band but they brought in a power metal vocalist you could argue for that when the old singer was left kicked out whatever um, so when I heard this, I wasn't too detached from the mellow death scene right at Marion in this current climate. So I was like, oh, look, if they had grouse to it, it wouldn't be death metal or power metal at all, but maybe that's the whole point. Yeah. Marketability wise, I guess calling it power metal is, but I don't think it really is a power metal album. Well, is a singer mm-hmm. to you, Danny? Oh, we're not talking about vocals yet. Damn it. Yeah, All yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, riffs. Uh, is there anything we can talk about before we talk about vocals? Uh, let me stretch this out a bit more. So you like, you suffer. Uh, 
Now again, uh, riffs, they they do some really great riffs. Um, the, some of the soloing was hit and miss. Some songs it was appropriate. Some songs like you don't really need a solo there. Well, the riffs um, they, they mostly have that rock and feel to it. There's a bit of their grooves and stuff, very kind of tough, uh, fist pumping kind of stuff. Especially track two. Wow, oh, gee, that's a ripper of a track. Mm. Whatever they did in that track, that was a, <laughs> very very cool. But you got those kind of Nevermore like track four ones, like the uh, a, a well divided. So you got those kind of like. Uh, tough and new metal-y, you know, kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you got a bunch of energy like 20th Century. Um, the Phrygian Sinister Rifts and Obsession, you know, kind of going into that kind of darker theme that uh, I think Groove Metal or like that, I guess again, again, more like Death Metal were kind of respected for him, Death Metal to a degree, you could argue. Um, so I think, yeah, the Rifts are actually thrown around quite well and they're quite engaging there's a lot going on but I do find that by the middle to the end of the album you really get a familiar sense of their songwriting and how they go about structuring riffs and stuff um, and the classic you know pop choruses really that they always head to yeah. you know to really get you singing with it as well so we'll talk about our production yeah so let's talk about vocals man yeah I mean singing is great I yeah mean, he's one of those classic I guess classic trained guys Hits every note with power. There's no falsetto because he just has power in every like note in every range. Even it gets quite high. Again, he's one of those singers which is annoyingly for people like me where his tone is so strong that you think he doesn't sing high, but it is a high C like the DOS or that Russell type people. Mm. Um, yeah, just, I mean his his phrasing is good. He's not the most dynamic of singers where like he doesn't really do like a lot of fancy things with his voice. I think he just maybe holds on notes for a bit. Two years, you reckon? He's got that belt which you hear and that thing's like dude I think they're doing construction work in front of my house right now because I was only playing that album two days ago and they're like burst water mains and then he's got that kind of sing which I think he's got like yeah he's got yeah. two kind of speeds so it's good no not good it's like power and then extra power you yeah. know yeah no definitely right I mean yeah like again he does it well but at the same time it's just I think also his singing style kind of dictates how some of these songs are written because a lot of the songs like he always sings at a similar pace and similar phrasing mm. and similar uh, but it's convictions quite strong. Oh, but I yeah. agree though. Eh? It is kind of yeah. like again, a little bit like riff writing. You get a familiar style to it. So maybe they kind of box themselves in a hole with uh, those kind of styles. However, generally good. I didn't like what he was doing on the ballad though. He kind of killed it a little bit. He went full bore really early in the song, and I was like, uh. yeah, he's kind of. Uh, it's reminiscent of when Floyd Janssen and Ross Allen did that sweet curse song. Where the chick starts softly and then he cuts into like a yeah. power and then they sing together. But he cuts in power like at least at minute twenty. This guy cuts yeah. into it like th- th- fifteen seconds into the song. Ah, like, oh, yeah. too early, man. Yeah. I, but it worked. Look, the the duality of that works quite well. Again, it was quite late in the album to hear such a straightforward battle, like literally pianos. However, they do do this kind of instrumental things on the um, uh, they got those two tracks, yeah, so the contingent part one yeah. and stuff like that. You know, yeah. There's two instrumental songs which are chucked in. I guess it's yeah. Again, this album is probably a concept album. If you want to read all the lyrics, it has a feeling about that. Who's got time for that, man? Yeah, he's got time for that. Yeah. Um, so in general, though, this is actually really enjoyable. I don't think it's... See, so the thing about Power Metal is that they sometimes do that head voice falsetto thing where it's like... You know, that's not a, oh, that's shit, a, awesome, man. Go on. You know, exactly like, exactly like King Diamond, you know? Uh-huh. Um, this guy can sing. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that's the one thing. Again, even though it has an air of familiarity about it, again, it's like the riffs. If you love it, it's just more of the same, and um, it's very strong. Like even the riff writing, general was very strong, and so is the singing, generally very, yeah. very. I mean, strong. his great emotion to his voice and his great, um, yeah, sensitivity to it. So I mean, he he sings it quite very well, of course. Yeah, I just I was just hoping that he 
change up a bit, bit more like fast pace, a bit more aggression or something. Yeah. But yeah, like if you want, obviously, again, we're talking about Russell Allen, man. You can hear how many ways he approaches single ideas and when melodies or riffs change, so does his techniques. Um, but he's got so many tricks in his... Um, uh, you know, in his in his back pocket. Um, it's unfair to compare him yeah, to those yeah. kind of gods. Again, this kind of kind of reminded me a little bit like Ripper Owens in a sense, where he's got that kind of belt sound. But again, Ripper Owens, when you go back to his stuff that we reviewed last year, he has more tricks and more aces and, and up his sleeve that he can bring out, and I think that really helps to start with the songwriting. But that's the thing is when we're talking about a Char Wars of the Dam, the the guitarist and the songwriters in that band had more ways of expressing metal ideas, whereas this band kind of locks into a formula. So maybe that's the biggest problem. I don't know who how it came first, the chicken or the egg, whether yeah. it was the vocalist or the guitarist, but I guess that's important to note. Yeah. Uh diversity though, this is interesting. I reckon the diversity imagine like an Amaranthi album but like stronger. And that's what I really get with these guys. Because I think Amaranthi do a very similar kind of thing with their goth metal sound where they kind of like have that really catchy riff engagey riff but they're really they're playing to a chorus and they're gonna have but they don't have the really hot chick who's there in leather pants like, oh. like look bend her ass up like in the perfect way that you can fit like at least three fingers or you know your your, your, your pay- paycheck from the uh, hard week of work but um that's ba- that's the whole point yeah back, to yeah back to what I was saying it, it really feels like it's a very strong version of that style though it really feels like it's more in, it's more uh, profound, and the riffs are much more engaging because they're much more. I guess the heaviness is there, but also the way that they approach that kind of formula is a bit more diverse in that kind of sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, oh, Yabba has everything. You know, it has your acoustic sections, has your like uh, stripped back sections, has your fast paced sections, it has your like influence of like your string sections put in as well for effect and dynamics yeah. and building up to choruses and the big chorus comes and it breaks down again so it has all of those um, bits and pieces in there uh, yeah. I think the drumming is quite pretty just was it solid Frank Bangers and Mash or Frank and Beans pretty standard yeah like, you know what that's funny I didn't even think about that yeah. the funny thing is though they do stuff like for example in Obsession they'll do a, like a key changes which really yeah. was great because it went to a chorus, but it wasn't the way you thought the chorus was going to go. And that was cool. And this is what they kind of do on just that little bit of. Uh, and that kind of took you off guard. I was like, yeah, great. Because now I'm going to listen to the rest of the album, hoping to find these kind of nuggets in there. I didn't have much else to, to, to really comment on about it towards the end of the album. But um, the way they structure songs, it's kind of like, it got pretty epic at times, you know? Um, even like Starman was nice and progressive with the arpeggios and stuff like that but it's got those kind of like Tremonti kind of ideas with the chorus you know what I mean like those big chords and stuff like that um, but it's very like raise your hand up in the air so I guess why I call it power metal because you, you want to like consider it like that's right man power full yeah charge, like you want to go to battle with them you know what I mean um, exactly, man. lots of wind and rain in the background you know <laughs> the only way you can listen to metal um, so yeah the diversity was there to a degree I find that though like when you listen to the starts again when you listen to the starts of the end of the album you get a, an air about how they're going to write a song, um, better or worse, you know. Uh, it doesn't come across like a progressive album, which I would consider like a Dream Theater, uh, Symphony X, uh, mm. Nedmore, um, or even Persephone when we reviewed him, you know. Persephone. You know, they went through they yeah. went through the, the, the motions I would consider as a progressive band, you know what I mean? Whereas this band is a straight-up heavy metal band. Well, yeah, I guess you said there's not really ultra technical parts in there or ultra um, journeys to taking you on. They might just have some stripped back sections in there or some 
solos, etc. But you're right, they're not. The songs generally don't last any more than like five, six minutes, though. Not really enough to tell a story in a sense where it's progressive. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe I had a good chapter, or maybe you know, a couple of killer lines from it's it. It's a funny thing to say. Oh, it's five minutes. I love to tell a story. I know, right? Like, when I, I hear progressive metal, maybe I'm a jaded metal fan. Where it's like, well, it's not Opeth, so it yeah. can't really be progressive. Just, like just, Opeth have at least three times where it goes from everything from being heavy metal to to a clean section. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So where it completely drops off, you know, like, yeah, are we metal band still? And they play for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, do something. All right. <laughs> Can you put it on that sheet music? Yeah. Okay, great. Put um, on. But that's not a bad thing because if what you want is a straight up power metal album that has very chunky riffs, um, here you go. Like, yeah. you're welcome because um, it's not bad in what it does. It's just what, I guess, you... You more of what you love, I guess. Mm. Yeah, definitely right. Yeah, I guess we go to some groove now, man. Uh, yeah. Catchy and accessible. Yeah. It's got a lot of that kind of groovy elements to this album, where the guitar's like like chugging along quite well. Piano over the top, being all you know, nice and pretty. Single piano. Uh, yeah, drums being. I can't, and, yeah, and that was the one thing I can't actually tell you about. I can't even remember the drums off this album. Are they any good? Uh, well, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess being a guitarist, first guitars being being focused sing, focus on singing. Sometimes guitar, especially when it comes to like these bands, you don't really focus on the drums because it's not like death That's metal good thing, and stuff. Maybe. You don't want to. They're not the driving force behind a band, but uh, like I say, it, it is, it's Frank and Beans. It just it does it just does the standard kind of stuff and feels like I mean yeah. it does does it does what's needed. I guess yeah. that's probably why. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, everything, and that was a point. I think with the whole entire conglomeration of all these things is um, is that it is quite groovy. I mean, you got a headbang the whole way through it, and you got to pump pump your fists up with it because it's quite powerful, though. You know, even even everything we've said, I think at the end of the day, it's quite engaging, and it's, they don't take themselves too seriously. You know, which is really good. Um, Oh, it's enjoyable. So yeah. I think the groove is there. It retains yeah. an element of being like a metal band where yeah. it's really much, you're going to headbang, you're going to pump your fist, and most of all, you're going to sing in those choruses, which yeah. I think every metal fan loves to do. Check right. you got those emotive parts where you give a bit of feeling. Overall, the production, with all these parts put together, it's a really enjoyable album. I found that this is... This is a little bit like Mercenary, let's be honest. I don't really consider this as like a power metal band. I would consider, well, at least right now in their um, evolution, I'd imagine, of their sound. Um, I wouldn't consider Mercenary a power metal band, but how many times have you considered those vocals to be power metal? Well, yeah, that's true. I guess it's always tricky when one certain singer, one certain part of the band dictates a certain way. But I, you can draw so many parallels, though. Yeah. They've got both got chunky wrists. They've both got a lot of keyboards. They've both got plenty of that. They've got that progression about them where they'll jump into acoustic. But overall, they're a straight-up heavy metal band that I think are based on Mellow Death. With, and I say that because Mellow Death is known for combining death metal with pop. Right, and no more is that more obvious than in a, well, some of these songs where you got those death medley other grooves or those harmonic minor kind of stuff. But in the chorus, you know you're gonna sing it, and you know you're gonna be there going, "Man, I feel like a you know a seventeen year old or thirteen year old teenager back yeah, in school." That's melodic part. I guess what you're trying to say, Matt. Yeah. So I am gonna say to you guys, if you love melodic death right now. Uh, with a tinge of power metal, like Mercenary was back in the day when they were very good, Architect of Lies, uh, Hours That Remain. God, if you haven't listened to that album, and you've heard Power and not listened to Hours That Remain from Mercenary, even my mum owns that album. And that is a good death metal album. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, like, again, production, it sounds great. Um, they do quite well with adding of the synths at times, a bit of yeah. effects in there, which always creates the ambience. It gives you the feel... That this album is a um, conceptual type album where they try to tell a story throughout the yeah. whole album, so that, that definitely comes across. Because they have their their two instrumental songs in there, which help break up the album. Help again, 
I honestly don't really know too much for how they try to what they create. I mean, the second one does quite well. I think it's like track ten. I think it's their second instrumental, and that yeah. that does go well onto track eleven. That flows well. The first one, I don't really know how well that blends in. Um, apart from that, look, they, they get all the elements in there. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I don't love the album. However, I can see why people would. And with that, it comes with a very strong recommendation for anyone in the power metal scene, the mellow death metal scene, and the goth metal scene. I think anyone who's into songs that you're going to be stuck in your head for a while but want a little bit of extra grunt to their power metal or a little bit more, a little little of the edge taken off to their mellow death metal, you know? I think this is a perfect album for it. I think they're very strong in their songwriting, and I think it's very a bunch of very good musicians getting together writing some very cool songs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, look, I think definitely check it out uh, for if you're if you're into those uh, styles and yeah, they do it well. They don't do it great. Uh, that's, I feel like they, they they have an X factor, and hopefully maybe the next album they pull out there they'll just put another element in there which brings it to a next level. Because I feel like these guys are, are very good at times, but I feel like there's 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 definitely more for them to offer. Yeah, I can see why they thought track two was the one they should do a film clip for because I think it kind of just almost destroys the album in a sense because it is such a great song um but in saying that what a way to get into the album and i don't regret buying this purchase at all and this will feature i think in the top 10 and i'll hopefully with a couple more listens because i actually really want to go back and listen to some of this album and just make sure i haven't missed anything that i think i would really enjoy because yeah bit of guitar work in there for me but those riffs man always love a money riff man yeah maybe the drumming and with that, we are at the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. I'm glad you stuck in with a, a long show for you today, but I can't help but think that editorial man, our passionate metal fans really got us on board and kind of got me thinking about what got me into metal and uh, why I keep going forward. And um, I hope that you guys do it too, man. I hope you guys are out there buying some really good CDs. You know, even if you want to go and jump on our Facebook wall and just mention some CDs and stuff that you guys listen to right now, what's going on in the metal community right now. That'd be really cool, Danny. Yeah, definitely, man. The more feedback, the more conversations going, the greater the community, the better we are for it. And with that, with the end of our show, I have been Super Metal Brother Matt. And I have been Super Metal Brother Dan. And we are going to run to the hills, I guess, man. <laughs> yeah, if I, if run I, I for your I'm life. I'm going to run for my life. That's exactly right. Take care, guys, and we'll catch you next week.